welcome to Spirit of the Camino, a podcast about the unique and magical experience that is the Camino de Santiago. Join us on this adventure and discover the spirit of the Camino for yourself. Hello and welcome back to the Spirit of the Camino podcast as we continue our exploration of the Portuguese route of the Camino de Santiago. I'm Nick and I'm here with Wendy and we're very excited about today's episode in particular because for the first time we have a guest. Yes, and it's a very special guest, someone who I was following in the footsteps of virtually through our whole Camino, and uh, now we get to talk to her in person, so it's exciting. It is indeed, so we're very delighted to have Elle Bailing with us from Pilgrimage Traveler. Elle, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. No, not at all. So the topic of this episode is the choice that pilgrims have on the Portuguese Camino between the central and the coastal options. And Elle, you've walked both of these routes and you've written extensively about both of these routes. So you're the perfect guest to talk us through this subject. Um, but before we get to that, can you just tell us a little bit about your Camino story? Well, it all started with a friend giving me a book. And I was trying to recall the name of the book. It was a book written back in the 80s. And I think they must have gotten it at a used shop or something because they gifted us this book and we're like looking at it and what's this um but actually i read it and i got intrigued it was one of the first probably camino de santiago books um so then i got ex kind of excited thinking wow this is cool gave it to my husband because we're very much outdoorsy and walking kind of people um, and then, of course, it morphed into watching the movies, The Way, and The Six Ways to Santiago, all those things that, you know, we tend to start watching or reading, you know, reading more books. And finally, um, I think it took perhaps two or three or maybe more years. In 2015, I said, I'm going to do this. And um, I didn't have enough time away. Um I was working part-time, my husband was working full-time at the time, and he just couldn't get off. He had projects and stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I wanna go. So I grabbed a friend, and we only did the English way, and then on to Finisterre and Mushia, and that little short bit of maybe nine, 10 days walking, and the bug bit, and since 2015, I've probably done about 10 Caminos. Now they were back to back, they weren't all, you know, like every year I would do one and one year I did two, but that's how it all started, um, the books and the movies. Yeah, I think that happened for a lot of people where you think you're just maybe gonna do one and then um, before you know it, you're doing one every year, right? Yeah, yeah, and then I started to write about my experiences because, you know, we all wanna do that. We all feel the need to share and we feel the need to, tell our story and it just kind of morphed into more and more wanting to walk and more stories and you know each one of um the the, the caminos that i talk about is has its own story as all of ours do and that's what makes it so unique and and so addicting 
Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. And yeah, I think a similar situation for us. We actually knew about the Camino for a really long time before we got around to doing it. And we had actually read some things that kind of put us off, that made us think, oh, maybe it's not the right thing for us. And then once we finally had a lot of time on our hands, once we both quit our jobs, and uh, so we had the freedom to travel for as long as we want wanted to, then we finally did the Camino Frances. And yeah, we've been doing one every year since then. Nice, yeah. And how many years for you? A few. Uh, no, it's only been four, well, four Caminos. Uh, 2017 was our first one. And so then, yeah, one every year since then. So, yeah, we were a little bit late adopters, but because we live in Portugal, it's really easy to do them. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can keep doing more and more uh, just as you can. Yeah, yeah, lucky you being in <laughs> Portugal. <laughs> Definitely. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned earlier as well is that, you know, every Camino is different or, or everybody kind of makes their own way. And that's exactly what we were talking about right at the end of the last episode. So, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting to to be able to to have these experiences and you never know what it's going to be like. Uh, and they're all different, but they're all they're all amazing in their own way. Yes, that's so true. All right, so just before we get into the Portuguese Camino, one question that I would like to ask all of our guests uh, is what does the spirit of the Camino mean to you? Oh, yeah, that's a great question uh, because everybody has a different answer. Um, you know, I, I cannot truly deny the adventure of it all. You know, we've done a lot of traveling. We've been very lucky um, prior to any Camino, so the adventure certainly has an appeal. The whole uh, European history and all of that is so unique compared to how we grew up in the States with our history only being a few hundred years. So that part is exciting. Um, what I love probably next best is the simplicity of it all. You know, we all learn, I think, the dramatic lesson of how little we really need, you know? Mm -hmm. We leave our possessions behind, we leave our clutter, all the stuff that we get so embroiled that seems to mean so much to us and we find out that when we just have a backpack and we're walking and we can clear our heads that we really don't need as much as we thought we did. So a lot of people cleanse after the Camino, which I certainly I'd started before and did a lot more after. So simplicity is the next really biggie. Uh, for me, um, I found the, the third thing is that I, you know, my husband is a very active and um, always the kind of person, you know, he's an engineer and he always has to be doing projects. And so the only way to truly get him uh, away from all that, you know, and really, you know, talk with one another about our lives was on the Camino. And so our relationship grew deeper. You know, we walked together, um, except for our very first or my very first Camino, we've always walked together since. And that's, that is the spirit of the Camino is relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, so my relationship with my husband and then relationships, with others, you know, that whole community would be the really third big thing. Um, the sharing, you know, there's no other feeling as when a group of people come together and have a common goal, this common purpose 
walking to Santiago. Uh, it just feels so different than, you know, normal life. Like it's very hard to create such a community in which people really help one another. And, you know, so many people from so many different areas, you know, yeah, we have our communities within where we live, but this is such a bigger scope. And, you know, the, the feeling from past pilgrimages and future pilgrimages, you know, all these people that have walked before us, right? And all the people who will walk after us and are walking with us. It's just amazing um, the difference in the, the residual spirit, the residual energy, however you want to describe that. Um, so that is wonderful. And then perhaps, you know, this is the, the piece that I think that people long for, the spiritual piece. You know, not everybody chooses to walk from a spiritual dimension. Um, I always try to. Uh, it's tricky, you know, when you think of this journey as a metaphor for life, you can come up with all these different analogies. Um, but there's, you know, there's been many philosophers uh, who agree that nothing does for you what walking does and I feel that really rings true with me um, I am actually by profession um, a nurse a holistic health coach and a yoga teacher so this whole idea of moving you know the movement the symbolism of the movement that allows the movement in other areas so not only are you walking with your physical body and moving but it opens the possibility of movement of all things spiritual and of your soul and of your mind uh, for opening. And that's why so many people find healing on the Camino, I think. Um, so if, you know, it becomes even a moving meditation for some, if you find that stillness, that movement, you open yourself to the possibilities of, of so much more than just a walk. And even if, you know, I still think that people who say they're going just for a walk, that, you know, they are creating a different energy that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And, you know, you can focus on nature. That's a spiritual process. Um, and for me, I believe that when you just slice it all down, we are spiritual beings. And when we're walking, we allow ourselves to find perhaps this more intimate luminal space in ourselves and with others than while you're on the Camino. So that kind of wraps it up. That's an amazing answer. Um, you set a really high bar for all the future guests who are going to come after you and have to follow that. Um, yeah, a huge amount of what you said resonated uh, with us. I particularly like the idea that you're sharing not just with the other people that you're walking with, um, but as you said, the people who have walked in centuries past and the people who are going to continue to walk after you. Um, that's a really powerful idea. And I think, um, Wendy, the simplicity and the leaving behind mm -hmm. everything and the clutter mm -hmm. um, resonated with you a lot. Yes, it did. And another thing that uh, really spoke to me was what you said just at the end there about walking being a form of meditation and how that opening up possibilities for movement in other areas in your life, uh, which I hadn't really really thought about quite that way before, but I, I do think of it as a kind of meditation. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for that. All right. 
right, so moving on to the Portuguese Camino. And just before we get to today's topic, um, in our last episode, we talked about walking from Lisbon to Porto, which not many people do, but this was something that you did as well. Do you just want to give us your thoughts on that stretch and whether you think it's worth it? Oh, that's an argument that I've yeah, seen so often. I, For me, absolutely, it was worth it. Um, you know, so many people discuss that you should not walk out from Lisbon, you should just take a train out further along or, or skip that, you know, southern section altogether and start somewhere closer to in Tomar or Fatima or whatever. But, you know, for me, I take the approach that the Camino, you know, you take what comes, right? You just, if, if it's there for you to walk, you walk it. That's the pilgrimage. You know, we shouldn't necessarily decide where it, well that's a bad thing to say yes you can decide where you can begin but i loved it i loved walking along the river i loved what you know the tejo i loved what am i saying that right i'm uh, i might butcher the tejo <laughs> okay um yeah you're gonna have to correct me because i i don't speak portuguese i'm gonna probably butcher the language you know i love that i walked I love walking through the old expo site. I loved the cities. Um, oh my gosh, Tomar the, with the you know the Knights Templar castle, and we walked over to the aqueduct. Uh, is just astounding. It's for me that kind of historical stuff is just astounding. So Coimbra, the university town, um, uh, Santarém and its castle, and I, there was no better place. Uh, to see the sunset, I didn't think, then from the Santarem, the ramparts up above, looking out over the river was fabulous. Um, the cobblestones are an issue, <laughs> but yes. that's throughout Portugal. <laughs> um, we went in the spring and the tropical flowers were phenomenal. They, The whole air just seemed to be filled with the perfume from the flowers. Um, the yeah, that's, uh, sorry, if I can just interrupt you. That's interesting that you say that about sure. the flowers because we walked in, in September, so in the in the fall and or in the late summer. And so we got the harvesting of the figs uh, or sorry, our, our own harvesting of figs <laughs> by picking them off trees and also oh, the, the grape harvest and things like that. But then we missed out, you know, on the on the flowers that you've mentioned. Um, so, you know, it depends what time of year you, you get a certain thing. You might miss something else, but there's always something at any time of year, I guess. Absolutely. And we had the oranges. They were uh, in abundance on the trees. We helped ourselves to what appeared to be abandoned trees, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, I call them the forever fields in my writing. There is some monotony to that. But, you know, the monotony is kind of nice for the meditative piece of the walking. And it was extremely hot for us in 2017, that year in April. Um, so that was a challenge. The stages were really long. Um, in retrospect, I wished we had chopped some of them up a little bit more. Um, but, you know, we were kind of younger and dumber. And we always pushed, you know, <laughs> for the 30K. We there were many days over 30K. Um, if you chose to do that, you know, now with more and more um, places cropping up to stay, I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot more available to, to reduce the length of some of those. But yeah, I just thought I loved it. But, you know, I think the Portuguese culture is amazing. Um, 
I just, you know, the friendliness of the people, they will help you. You know, I think, I think they're just a little bit maybe more aloof until you break the ice. And then when you break the ice, they just warm up and they, they're, I mean, the, the experiences we had of people helping us along the way was phenomenal. So I just love that culture. And yeah, I, I wished our walk was longer. <laughs> <laughs> So, there it is. All right, great. So, anyway, as I mentioned earlier, we have Elle on the show to talk about the Portuguese central route versus the Portuguese coastal route. So, just to set this up, from Porto, which is the most popular starting point of the Portuguese Camino, there are actually three options, uh, really, for pilgrims, including the Braga route, but almost nobody does that. Um, so instead, pilgrims choose between walking the traditional central route or the route along the coast. And then after, I guess, six or seven stages, the routes come together again in Redondela, which is already across the border in Spain. Um, so the path that we chose for the Camino that we just finished was the central route. So let's start there. El, what are your main kind of memories or impressions overall of the central route? Yeah, that's that's kind of a lengthy discussion for me too because for me, I thought that the central route was perhaps a bit more historic. So the cities are just incredible. Um, huh, well, Porto to begin with. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you go wrong starting there? Um, it it is the singular most vibrant city I think that I've that I've ever been in. Um, wow. So I love that. And there's so much to see there, as you know. And I was a fan of Porto wine long before this Camino. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in heaven um, with the port wine. Um, they're just, I don't know. I, I don't even know where to be in. Barcelos was phenomenal and its legends and the palace, you know, where you again have a beautiful place for sunrise over the the river there um i forgot the name of the river there uh, but it and its churches i was particularly fond of that little church in the middle of town um let's see i wrote that down the igreja matriz am mm -hmm. i saying that right yeah more or less yeah igreja matriz so igreja is just their word for church and matriz just means the kind of sort of the main church uh in a small town um, and so, yeah, you see that a lot, you know, it's not that every, every church in every town is named for the same saint or anything. They, um, yeah. cause you do see that a lot right. when you're walking on the Portuguese, right? You see each town more or less has this, uh, Igreja Matriz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the whole rooster legend there, mm -hmm. you know, that is tied in with St. James and the lore with, you know, this man who was accused of stealing silver and he went before the magistrate and he sentenced him. He didn't believe him. He sentenced him anyway. And there was a banquet with a, with a, a rooster. And he said, as sure as the rooster crows, you know, I'll be saved or something. And sure enough, when in the middle of his hanging, uh, the rooster came to life and, the magistrate believed him and took him down and he didn't die. That's a fun. Mm -hmm. So there's a rooster all over everywhere you go in Barcelinos across the river from Barcelos. They're like twin uh, towns. You see the rooster. So that was fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I mean, you see the rooster in, in Lisbon. It's one of the top two or three symbols of Portugal. You see the rooster everywhere in Lisbon and it all comes back to this same story in, in Barcelos. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah. Yeah, it's yeah, become, sorry, it's become kind of a motif of 
Portugal to represent Portugal as a whole. I mean, you're right. It does start in Barcelos. The story is from Barcelos. Um, so it's a symbol of that town in particular, but it's also a symbol of the whole country. And so especially on like tourist souvenirs and things, you'll very often see that Barcelos rooster. Yeah, yeah. That's I did see the souvenirs around town, mm-hmm. but I I didn't realize it was such a national symbol. Mm-hmm. That's really great to know. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you because it was something I think that you enjoyed and that we really enjoyed as well was that first day out of Porto, staying in the monastery in Verão. It, it was beautiful. We had we got a room. Oh, and so incredibly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. We we got a room, a double room that overlooked the courtyard area to the north, I think it was. And it was just stunning. Um, we had to share a bathroom, but I think we paid like something like 20, 25 euros for the room for the two of us. Um, it was a great community experience um, when we for the meals and all, but we were not allowed into the church there or the monastery itself. Were you able? No, no not. but it was yeah. funny because we had a we also had a double room uh, and yeah, it was 25 euros even this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we were looking out at the views and everything. And then Wendy was saying, oh, I think Elle had a room as well. And let me look at her photos and let's see if she had the same room <laughs> as us. Um, but I think you had one across the corridor from us because your photos were slightly yeah. different. Yeah, I believe there's only two double rooms as far as I could tell. Uh, so I think yeah. we were in the other one, not in the one that you stayed in. Uh, but yeah, ours also had beautiful views and it was a really peaceful place. And we felt some community there. I mean, obviously there weren't very many pilgrims walking this year, but we did um, make dinner together and share it with the, a couple of other pilgrims who we met. Uh, so that was really nice. And the woman who runs that place is really lovely to talk to as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I just remember we, we collected like a group of people. Um, what was the most special for me was our personal experience. We met a young lady in a wheelchair and we ended up forming a group and pushing her from uh, just soon after, but, uh, I'm going to say it wrong again, Vidal. Vidal. And yeah, shortly after we ran into her and you know we for some reason all these strong young men were like coming up to us and hey i'm such and such and you know do you mind if i walk with you and i'm thinking okay what's this all about and as it turns out that uh, the greater knowledge than ours was providing us with all these strong young men and we formed a group to push this young lady um all the way and it was just a fantastic experience and we had first met her there or had had heard of her hadn't officially met her yet but we had already started to form a real family there were several young men that we had hooked up with and we would continue to hook up with people so that town and that monastery and that setting it was all just very special because of that and the view and I even had kind of like a misty day to make it feel even more a little bit ethereal there um, (laughs) because the grounds were so lovely uh, anyway, that's that's that part of the story. I still have cities that I would like to talk about that I think are fantastic along this way. Can I just um, uh, jump in just before you do that? Because just the story about pushing this woman in the, in the wheelchair. I mean, we were amazed as we were reading this in your guides as we were walking. 
and and as we were walking over the cobblestones and just thinking how could the, how could someone possibly do all the cobblestones in a wheelchair but uh, this lady did it yeah it was she was a young lady she i forgot she was in her early 20s um and she had a spirit of fire boy you know <laughs> you knew she was going to make it regardless and uh uh, several sections she did choose not to go. It would have just been impossible. Like the incredible climb on the Roman road up and out of, uh, you know, right after Ponte de Lima, when you go up to that Alto da Portela, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is just a fabulous walk. Um, every time I get to walk on Roman roads, I'm just like in heaven. <laughs> It's like really weird, but I love that part. And she could not have done that. Uh, so fortunately, she took a highway detour. Um, and there were several other sections where she chose to wheel down the highway. And sometimes some of the pilgrims, you know, the walking pilgrims uh, in our group would go with her uh, because they just chose to go the shorter, easier route. And, you know, they kind of wanted to stay with her too, which, you know, those of us who didn't were grateful for, but yeah, even, even with her detours. Um, and I can tell you the young men and plus my husband, who's a fireman who, you know, a challenge is what he's all about. Um, uh, he's a volunteer fireman since he's retired. Uh, mm -hmm. but anyway, he, would push for long segments. You like every time you went to a medieval bridge, you'd always, you know, climb up out on the other side on cobblestone, of course, and several muddy portions where um, we had to try to figure out how to get her around. And, you know, she even lost a screw, I think it was, on one of her wheels. And as Providence would have it, we ended up right outside the, the shop of an artist who had all this, or a sculptor, artist kind of guy, he had all this mishmash of stuff laying around, and, oh, son of a gun, he just pulled out the right screw, and we repaired her wheelchair in about 20 minutes. You know, imagine that. Imagine if we would have been stuck on a cobblestone road in the middle of nowhere. So... Yeah, that's it, an amazing example just, of the Camino providing, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my heart, yes. There were just so many things like that that occurred that allowed this young woman and her amazing spirit to make this journey. Uh, and she actually had her whole journey mapped out independently. She was not, you know, she was not going to do, join a group. It was we who convinced her to come with us. Oh, we'll push you. We'll put, you know, like that movie. <laughs> right. Although she was, she was not as handicapped as the man in that story. She could actually walk a few steps. So we could actually have her walk for like 50 feet if she needed to. Um, or let's see how many meters, about 30 meters or so. She could walk. And then we'd like carry her wheelchair past some bad spots. But it was still, it took an amazing spirit for all of us to pull that off. And we did. And gosh, was that rewarding. So... Yeah, that was a really inspiring story to follow in when, you know, when I was reading uh, your entries each day as we were going along. And I loved how you, uh, you did the foreshadowing in your blog posts as well. Like you talked about how you were gathering these strong men and, you know, there was a purpose to it. And I kept wondering, what's going to happen? What are, why do they need these strong men? Um, so, yeah, that was a really inspiring story. 
Yeah. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, I didn't understand it at the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. It was. It is. It's an amazing story. So I felt very fortunate to be part of that. So that kind of tempers my central, you know, colors my central route journey. But we'll get to the coastal because that's fabulous too. Um, Now that you know how much I love history and Roman roads, you might expect that one of, and probably my favorite town on the whole central route was Valenza. Am I saying that right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, With its amazing, uh, amazingly preserved castle. Um, In fact, we kind of just sort of walked through it. We kind of walked out to the walls a little and looked over when I was on this Camino. But later I met a friend uh, after one of our, our cam- Caminos, um, and met another friend from who lives in Spain there, and we stayed there and toured it more extensively. It is just such an amazing little town. So if anybody, if I'm convincing anybody to do the central route, <laughs> you could spend a night there and just feel the ambiance and walk the walls. It, it's it's fabulous and. It's equally fabulous to cross over from Portugal into Spain to the town Tui, right across from the river. The views of both cities are amazing on the opposite shore. So, I mean, I love that. In fact, the cover of my guide is the photograph, you know, on this uh, central route, the, the photograph is of the Cathedral of Tui that just looms out above the hill of the city. And uh, although the city itself, I like it. It's It was a great place, but, you know, I love the castles. What can I say? And <laughs> for the young men to push our friend up that hill in her wheelchair, <laughs> they finally figured out a roping system you know, where one person had a rope tied around him, his waist in the front as he's pulling like a horse on a carriage and two guys on each side with, I, I forget what they improvised, a rope or string or belts or something and they were pulling from each side. And the photograph I took of that where they're all grinning and laughing. I mean, it was hysterical. It was hard work, but we had such a good time. And I just wish I had the strength. I just did not have the strength to do what it took to push or pull. Um, it was just such an effort. And, you know, so anyway, Tui's a fabulous town, too. Um, so yeah. if you can spend some time with those two towns, wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's almost a shame that you kind of have to choose between the two of them in terms of where you're going to stay and maybe spend some more time because they're, you know, they're right across the river from each other. Yes, um, yes. We were a little yeah, bit unfortunate uh, in that it was raining the day that we that we arrived, and we really only got two or three days of rain on, on the whole Camino, and that was unfortunately one of them. So we didn't really get to enjoy oh. either of those towns as much as we would have, but they're both amazing places. Yeah, I, I did enjoy them. Um, and then the, the last town that I do want to talk about is, is Pontevedra. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that town as well because it has a lot of medieval vestiges and architectural features that are great you know and of course it has a bridge a medieval bridge across the river but the pilgrims church there is just so gorgeous it's this little round thing Mm -hmm. you know and and it looks so different and I I forgot I was going to look up is it 
it's not medieval. It's it's post. Um, uh, do you recall if it's like? Um, yeah, what? it's, it's is Renaissance it Baroque? or Baroque. It's, yeah, it might be Baroque because it's got yeah. quite a lot of flourishes on it. But yeah, I know exactly the one you mean. It's it's round but quite tall as well, so it's very striking uh, in that main square. Yeah, yeah, I just love that little place, and you know, took all these photos, and you know, of course, it has St. James on the top near the top of the roof, and you know, you could walk around above. Um, the main uh, cathedral area, there's a walk, like a catwalk, and so you can get this bird's eye view. And I, I just really enjoyed that an awful lot. So I think that's a really special place as well. Um, and then they were having a festival when we were there, some festival of, I don't know, I've already forgotten what it's called, a festival of trees or something of sort. Um, so every every place was just packed. We were lucky to get a room, actually. Um, the whole town filled up. Uh, we were there early enough to get a room that time. But that was just a wonderful place as well. So Yeah, I also really loved was, that town. Go ahead. I was just going to say I also really loved Ponte Vedra. Um, yeah, I, I felt like we, this was the, the Camino where we really got a sense of Galician towns and cities. I don't have many memories from past Caminos of, of kind of an urban setting in Galicia. What I, my, most of my memories from Galicia are, you know, the really green forests with the moss covering the stones and, and it raining all the time and being misty and, and feeling very Celtic. Um, and of course there's Santiago, but, uh, I didn't have strong memories of, of cities, uh, from pre previous Caminos, but this time, you know, towns like Tui and Pontevedra really stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah, there it is more heavily along the town aspect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but there's still, you know, tons of Roman roads to walk on, tons of little country churches and, you know, wonderful little shrines along the way. Um, there's more hills. There is quite a few hills climbing out of. Uh, or into Redondela. Mm -hmm. um, I think of which town I left for that last hill, which was whoo, really also very um, long and hard. Oh, after Oporino, that's what it was. Um, the climb is is pretty dramatic. Uh, so um, it's it's climbing. It's I mean it, it's I just loved it. I loved it. That's all I can say. Okay, so let's move on to the coastal and what were your overall impressions of that, or how is it different? Uh, it is, I feel, pretty much a, a very different Camino. Um, you have to love the water. Um, you know, I'm in a landlocked area. I live in Colorado in the middle of the U.S., so whenever I can get to the shore, I love it. Um, there's boardwalk systems that are amazing to walk on, you know, and it's forgiving for your feet and your legs. So that nice forgiving surface on the boardwalks, I just loved that part of it. Not to mention, you know, you see the water, you see the dunes, you see, you can even walk for long stretches on beaches um, there, which is, is it okay if I talk about the difference between the, the Senda Litoral and the Coastal? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we did like kind of a combination of the two when it suited us because there's the Senda Littoral is actually supposed to follow the coastline, you know, as, as closely as it can. I don't know that there is an actual route the whole entire way. For us, that seemed impossible because there are sections where it just wasn't practical. There's rocky ledges and you know, I mean, and plus the mileage, you know, you go around these long peninsulas, you know, we weren't going to do that. We just cut it across the peninsulas and stuff that, that, that jutted out. Um, so we used the coastal, which follows close and sometimes really close to the Senda Littoral, or they can share the path, but often they do, the, the coastal will go inland quite a bit more. And the most dramatic of places where we chose uh, not to do the coastal was when it, when it really went in land after Bayona. Then you kind of cut across quite a bit of the land to get to Vigo. But we kind of made our own way around on the coastal road, not on the not on the shoreline itself. So you kind of have to take everything like from what are your goals as far as that's concerned, um, like we were fine with just walking a few stretches on the beach, like the Playa, uh, let's see, it was the Playa de las Americas, I believe, just after Bayona, where you can walk for several kilometers on the beach, and it's flat, hard, packed sand, and it's gorgeous to do that if you like that sort of thing. You know, you don't even have to take off your boots. You can if you want, um, but because it's so flat and hard packed, you know, it's very pleasant walking with a backpack. So we did that in several sections, uh, which we found to be fabulous. Um, then let me think, um, as far as whether or not it's a real Camino, um, that's kind of from a historical perspective. There is a town and a church and I'm going to find where I wrote that down here. It's called the Iglesia de Santiago de Castelo de Nieva. I think I'm saying that right. So this church they found, it's about halfway on the, the coastal route area. You climb up this lovely, wonderful hill and get a, another beautiful overlook of the coast and the water. Um, they actually found at the church, they found a plaque that shows that the church was dedicated to Santiago in 862. Wow. So that definitely lends itself to the belief that indeed there was either, you know, a, a Santiago cult there or it was on a, a perhaps an actual pilgrimage route. Yeah, so that's quite fascinating because, yeah, I think. I wasn't really aware if there were historical or religious sites there um, and it, or if it was just kind of all about the beaches and all about the nature aspect rather than the, yeah, that historic aspect. So that's very interesting to know. Yeah, yeah, that part. And there are tons of churches. There's the there's a monastery in Oya. Um, that's, Oya is just before, I'm trying to think on my scheme of things. That was, well, you probably... Villa de Suso is not a stop, but you pass through there. It's just before that little town. And that monastery is like on the seacoast. And you can get, you know, an amazing shot of it 
from the water, there's a little bay that goes in and the monastery looms up. You know, there's a wall and then the monastery right there looming up by the shore. It's just gorgeous. Now, unfortunately, my friend who lives in, in Villa de Suso said that they almost never open the monastery, which is really a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would really love to see when, you know, perhaps they might use that for you know, some sort of pilgrimage place. <laughs> that would be lovely. You know, an albergue would be even more fascinating. Um, so that is there. Um, there's a lot of history. Like in Bayona, there's a big castle, if you like that sort of thing. Um, there's, you know, that you can tour that. I did that also on another trip to see my friend in uh, Villa de Suso. That's a fascinating place, although we did not hit it while we were walking. You know, we just... We tend to not have the time and, you know, we just keep pushing, you know, when you're on the Camino, you, you know, am I a tourist? Am I a pilgrim? You know, but if we could combine the two, it would be a beautiful thing. But mm. unfortunately, we walked by. Yeah, no, that's a, something that I struggle with a lot, too, because, yeah, I really want to fully explore these places when I'm there. But sometimes I just have no energy at the end of the day or if it's in yeah. the middle of the day, you know, when we still have more uh, mileage to, to go, then, yeah, I just uh, I'm not up for it. But uh, it's a shame because, yeah, I find it difficult to be both a pilgrim and a tourist. And I've. I've had to kind of accept that fact that I'm not going to be a tourist and I'm not going to see everything that I would if I was there in the same span of time, you know, under different circumstances, that I'm there as a pilgrim and I'm having the pilgrim experience and I'll see what I can, but, you know, also just have to recognize what it is that I'm doing there. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's definitely an interesting decision-making process, isn't it? Mm. But so you still felt that it that it, it had the kind of Camino spirit and the Camino feel and all of that? Oh, I did. We made lots of pilgrim friends. In fact, I made uh, we made lifelong friends with several of the people that we met. One was a gentleman from Australia and the other was a gentleman from England. And the gentleman from Australia we met later to do the Camino in Glace, you know, the four of us. And It was a very interesting thing because he was suffering from Parkinson's and he was able, this was his final Camino or his first Camino on the Portuguese, but his final one on the Inglés that we met to do with him later. Um, So, you know, that lifelong friendship uh, transpired and, you know, then we just kept meeting more and more people. We made friends with a Japanese man who, a Japanese man, I mean... He wasn't even, he didn't even really seem to be like a spiritual person. He was just walking and kind of doing his own thing. And we kind of pulled him into our group and, you know, helped each other along the way for the, you know, there's a ferry crossing in Camellia. And unfortunately, to cross the border here on the coastal. And unfortunately, the day that we arrived, the ferry wasn't running. Mm-hmm. Um, because of weather and tides and however they make those decisions. And so we had to hire a gentleman, um, a Portuguese gentleman to take us in his little fishing boat across to Spain. And, you know, we were kind of trying to get all this 
we were learning this as we went along. We were trying to get this message out to the fellow pilgrims that we were walking with. And one was this Japanese man, and he kind of failed to to figure it out, I, I guess. His English was really good, but we waited like for 20 minutes where we were going to wait to go get Mario, the Portuguese fisherman, and he finally shows up, and we're like, come on, come on, come on. And he was so grateful that we waited for him and so grateful that we showed him the way to get across because it would have either have meant waiting another day um, in Caminha or taking an expensive taxi ride or try to figure out, patch together a bus route or walk all the way around on a bridge, which would have been horrible. <laughs> so it was just a very interesting story of how it still felt like a Camino all in all. Well, that's encouraging to hear because we have spoken to a couple of, you know, very well-seasoned pilgrims, people who have walked lots of other Caminos and their experience on the coastal, when they were talking to us, they said that it didn't feel as much like a Camino to them, that it seemed to attract a different kind of crowd and that the people who were walking it weren't very social and that they just didn't feel the same energy, the same atmosphere that they did on, on other Caminos. But that's interesting to hear that you had a different experience. Oh, yeah. I'm very surprised, um, actually, to hear that because, you know, I think, well, I guess maybe, you know, my husband is a very social person and he just, he'll talk to anybody and just pull them in. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that had some sort of, a, of an influence on our walk. Uh, well, I'm sure it had an influence on our walk. Um, but I definitely felt now after we left Bayona and walking around and through Vigo, Vigo is, you know, people say that it's uh, ugly and all that. It wasn't that so much as it's just difficult to navigate through that area. It's not well signed. It's not well supported for pilgrims and you know, I always wondered why everybody crosses over to the central long you know even before Bayona a lot of people do and it's because of this reason I think and you know you just kind of have to push through and 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 look carefully find your arrows but we saw almost no one through that section for some reason somehow we had gotten ahead I guess of of our group but I know that lots of people walk from there because when you converge in, in Redondela, there's so many people, so many pilgrims, <laughs> again, that, you know, we, we saw some pilgrims, but, you know, it's just, it's, to me, it was, it felt more like that in the Vigo area, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, so you have to be a little bit more in, in independent, I think, and you have to, be a little bit more um, adventurous. You know, there's not a lot of people or or infrastructure to, to hold your hand to get you through it, I guess. So I, I can see why people would say that. But before then, no, oh, we had, we met lots of pilgrims and had a great time. And so it sounds like you really enjoyed both the coastal and the central. Um, which one did you prefer if you have a preference? Or is that like, you know, <laughs> choosing between your children or something like that? Uh, maybe, um, but I, I think my leaning would be a little bit more toward the central, um, just because of the history. Um, but you know, the coastal is getting more and more popular and, 
you know, I probably uh, sell as many guides to the coastal and maybe even more than I do for the central. So, you know, that's telling. Um, so people are walking the coastal and, you know, if you, you know, really want that true Camino spirit, I think you'll find it because you're going to seek those out, um, who are looking for the same thing. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe the central, uh, a little bit of a, of a stronger leaning, uh, but not by much. All right. That's brilliant. Um, so before we let you go, uh, where can people find you on the web and what kind of resources do you provide? Oh, thank you. Um, I can be found at pilgrimagetraveler.com and all the information that I give with an internet connection, you can get for free. Um, however, some people find it easier and uh, to read uh, in a PDF format. I also sell guides of the exact same information that I provide on my web pages in a guide format in a PDF format um, with all the necessary links and things to get you around where you need to go. Um, so that's kind of what I do and I love to tell my story. Yeah, and uh, I was reading your uh, daily entries every day uh, on this Camino. I, I didn't know about you until we started researching the Portuguese Camino, and that's when I came across your website. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed following, you know, not just the practical information, but also your personal journey and reading about uh, the woman in the wheelchair and, you know, all the things that you came across on on your pilgrimage and i really enjoyed the google maps as well i have to say the ones that you put together i found that to be really useful um we used a, a variety of different sources um so nick was using an app and then we later found we met someone who created his own app the, the camino ninja app so we downloaded that one as well yeah. um and so, yeah, those have uh, navigating features. So Nick was using, you know, the the maps inside his apps to navigate. But I really liked using your Google Maps to navigate because I use Google Maps already. And so, you know, I could also mark things that were of interest to me, like a particular restaurant that we wanted to eat at. Um, and then I could see how close that was to the Camino or the times that we had to go off to the Camino to look for accommodation because albergues were closed because of the pandemic situation. And then uh, with your maps, it made it a lot easier to see, okay, well, here's a, a guest house and that's about, you know, one and a half kilometers off the Camino and look, I can follow, you know, uh, Elle's little line and then I can see where it would be best to go off from that. So that was a really useful resource. So thank you for putting that together. Well, thank you for your feedback. I, I do work pretty hard, so I'm happy to hear that it was useful. No, absolutely. We would sometimes come to a kind of crossroads, you know, when you're not sure or the, the arrow's not really clear exactly. And then we'd, we'd say, which way did Elle go? And then um, we'd say, all right, she went right. Let's go right. And uh, that, oh, usually, that usually led us uh, down down the right path. All right. Good. Thank you. Oh. Thank you for that nice feedback. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on and for giving us your perspective on the, on the Portuguese Central and Coastal. It's been a really fabulous chat. And hopefully we can do it again sometime. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. For more great content about the Camino de Santiago, 
visit our website at spiritofthecamino.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spirit of the Camino. Buen Camino.